0: everyone. Welcome to another episode of Three Fates Decide. I am Liz and tonight I'm with my co-host Mary.
1: Say hi. Hello.
0: Yeah, Sam's not going to be joining us this episode, which is, to be fair, uh kind of like uh, the opposite, a little bit of what happened last time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, because Liz, you were, having, uh, you were having technical issues with your computer and everything, last week when we recorded and unfortunately Sam has some in real life issues going on with a family member we'll put it that way that she's unable to join us tonight so it's just me and Liz in our dulcet tones tonight
0: (laughs) you think you know what we're going to talk about
1: and welcome back to three fates decide it just
0: sounds more dramatic that way
1: all right so this week we are going to be talking about
0: but just when you least expect it we changed the game.
1: One Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. I mean, we always celebrated Easter. You're part of the Half Blood Prince. So we're gonna do another free talk,
0: freestyle thing, no planned discussion. At the end of the day, only
1: one thing matters. We decide.
0: We're gonna hit the, the main highlights. That is the thing, with like what we were saying back in that episode. Quick recap. Three Fates Decide podcast. Yeah, yeah, we're we're not going to board you with uh, that mess that happened to me last week. It was so stupid, but um, anyway, it
1: was, it was bad. <laughs> but it's all taken care of now.
0: Yes, it is. Um. Okay. So tonight's episode is going to be the final episode of our uh, spooky, dark Macabre episodes for the month of October. Um, we're going to do a double feature of sorts where we're going to talk about werewolves and vampires. Yay. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, like originally we're going to do two separate episodes, but then, you know, Dahmer is a big thing and it's like, well, we can't ignore that. So.
1: Right. So, I mean, we had to talk about Dahmer last week instead of uh, splitting this episode up, but that's okay because it'll, it'll work out just as well.
0: Right. And in a funny way, it's probably better off we do do a double feature of sorts because in a lot of more recent, you know, pop culture-y depictions of werewolves and vampires, they seem to be werewolves versus vampires. So, you know, why not?
1: Exactly. I think most popular culture movies anymore is usually vampires versus werewolves. So,
0: Which is kind of weird. When you think about it, I mean, there's no particular reason why they should exactly dislike each other one way or the other, other than you know, you're messing on my territory, but whatever. Yeah. But anyway,
1: I mean, if you, well, if you really think about it, there's really no reason why the two of them should ever meet.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true.
1: I mean, really, <laughs> if you really sit and think about it, but eh.
0: yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, Hollywood for you, right. Yeah, it it's very, very strange. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, yes. So, um, basically, pretty similar to the zombie episode, we're going to kind of split this episode into, like, two different parts, if you will, where we're going to talk about the more cultural-slash-historical origins of these two different creatures, and then towards the end of the episode, we'll talk a little bit more about Some of the more modern, and I want to use quotation marks for modern, because um, in particular with vampires, one of the earliest of the more, quote unquote, modern interpretations of vampires is, of course, the famous novel Dracula by Bram Stoker, which, of course, is a book from the, I believe, 1800s. So, yes, it's not modern modern but you know for the purposes of like literary categorization historical categorization it's kind of modern so
1: somewhat modern
0: um so do you feel like starting with werewolves first or vampires
1: i've got some interesting things on werewolves up that i'm looking at right now yeah that i didn't really know right one of them I kind of, I'd, I'd heard, but didn't really know that much about, but the other one I had no clue about.
0: Right. So just so you listeners know, um, I believe, Mary, you were telling me earlier that you're going to be using some sources on history.com.
1: Yes, history.com.
0: Right. Um, And I'm going to be using a little bit of information that I got from Monstrum slash storied, which if you guys listen to our zombie episode You would know that I had made references to that particular um, series of videos for that particular episode. So for werewolves, they actually did two parts. Right. Right. One about the more historical cultural origins. And then the second part is the modern interpretations, which is sort of what we're doing in this episode right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay. So why don't you start then?
1: All right. Well, most people know what a werewolf is, a mythical creature. The The legend is that people are morphed into a vicious wolf, basically. However, the, what I found interesting was it's actually really, it's kind of unclear of to where and when the werewolf legend originated. It's a, And this is what got me. It says, some of the scholars believe that the werewolf made its debut in the Epic of Gilgamesh the oldest known Western prose when Gilgamesh jilted a potential lover because she had turned her previous mate or lover into a wolf, which I didn't realize that that it could have come from all the way back then.
0: Yeah, it's kind of funny you mention that because in Monstrum, they actually do mention that, you're right, is the oldest written reference to things kind of like werewolves and what was interesting was that they mentioned it but it's also in the context of how there's actually three types of werewolves based off of the different you know legends and origins and what have you so they basically describe as three different reasons why people become werewolves
1: mm-hmm.
0: so one was the warrior That they describe it as, which is more along the lines of the Vikings and the Berserkers, where they believe that if you wear things like wolf pelts, you become, well, not that you literally turn into wolf, but you um, absorb the spirit of the wolf. So you become a fiercer warrior when you're battling your enemies. So there are different legends and stories that are like that.
1: That also comes up here um, for Nordic folklore. That, they all, that werewolves were in Nordic folklore in the Saga of the Volsungs.
0: Right, right. And, you know, the Vikings happen to be the most famous example of this warrior,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, origin. But, you know, there's probably other examples in other cultures, but yeah. And then the other two are the victim, where for some reason an innocent person got cursed, which I think to a degree that's more like like the more common modern usage of the werewolf uh, condition because in a lot of stories it's like, oh, I got bitten or I got attacked by this creature out of nowhere and then boom, I turn into a werewolf at the next full moon or something. Right. Yeah. And then the third one is something that you do see quite a bit in Greek mythology as a very prime example, which is you turn into a werewolf as a punishment for your misdeeds. Yep. Yeah. So. Lyakon. Right, right, right.
1: The son of Pelagus.
0: Right. And interesting fact for you listeners who are not familiar with etymology, that particular person's name is uh, in Greek one of the is related to one of the words that the term lycanthropy you know is based off his name yep so yeah um yeah so that that was pretty interesting when i was watching the monstrum episode and and to your point from earlier um regarding how there's a bit of a mystery as to what the origins of the werewolf legends are what they were talking about actually because i happened to be re-watching it before we started recording was that um you know since werewolf well not werewolves but since wolves were pretty spread out through most parts of europe um historically speaking it's pretty natural that humans would come up with stories about wolves so it shouldn't be too surprising there are variations and with human migration throughout history some of those different ideas may have been spread to other parts of the world you know because of that migration so the different stories will merge or influence each other so
1: yeah definitely I I do know another thing is everybody's pretty much familiar with the uh Salem witch trials even though we're really not talking about witches but there was um about 200 years before the Salem witch trials in Europe they were actually having what is known as werewolf trials and they were convicting men and women Of transforming into werewolves and bear with us on this one for mutilating and eating children.
0: Mm Hmm. Yep. Yep.
1: Yeah. I'm not gonna. I mean, there's there was a pretty famous one in Germany in 1589. I'm not going to go into details about what they did to this poor man, but they accused a gentleman of the name Peter Stump of being a werewolf, and let's just say they. What they did to him is at the end of it, they burned him at the stake like they did with Charles, because that was that was one of the ways that they thought of of killing a werewolf, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But let's just say if you want to read about it, go to history.com and you can find it because it's a little gruesome, a little more gruesome than I, than I think we need to get into tonight.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it really it was fascinating looking this stuff up. I mean, you know. hmm the The other interesting thing that came up with the Monstrum episode was the fact that there were some stories about wolves through you know different parts of Native American groups, which we're not going to deep dive into because you know
1: we could be here all night,
0: yeah, but it's interesting how when people start colonizing you know what's now North America, some of these concepts. We're like, oh, my gosh, you know, these people have stories about wolves, too. And, you know, the conflict already between, you know, colonizers and the Native people. Yeah. A lot of like, I mean, I could be wrong, but in general, there aren't as many negative stories necessarily about wolves in different Native American traditions. I mean, again, it's a huge variety, very diverse sets of legends and concepts and attitudes between Native people and, you know, the animals that live here. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to make a broad stroke assumption or.
1: Yeah, I, I was getting ready to say we're, we're just going to put this out there. None of us are Native American or of the First Nation, the First Peoples. We don't know that much about their history, their culture. And I would love to learn more. And I've been trying to learn more about... Because they have a very, very rich culture and history. And I've always been fascinated by them. Because I actually have about 2% Native American blood in me. So I'm about 2% Native American. However, I don't... I am so... That is so so small. I don't consider myself Native American. So... Right. So I don't consider myself... able to speak on the subject of them and their histories and their cultures and their beliefs, which is wide and varied and so beautiful. Their culture is so beautiful.
0: Right. Like you don't identify as Native American or First Nations, but you do acknowledge that you got a little bit of it in your DNA.
1: Just a little bit. (laughs) A little bit. And I mean, I'm proud of what I do have. And I would love to learn more about them and who and who they are. Unfortunately, I do not know what nation I am a part of because it may be more of a Mexican native than an American native. Right. If that makes sense at all.
0: Right. So, you know, you could for all you know, you could be Aztec or Mayan or or one of the other groups in Mexico.
1: Most likely Inca if I'm anything, but
0: Oh yeah, that's true
1: i I don't know, so obviously I'm not claiming to be I'm this, this, that, or the other, right, and I'll never claim that because right, just is wrong to claim that right but but it's it's part of it's part of who I am,
0: right, and there's nothing wrong with like being curious exactly to like know more about it mm-hmm. well, well, we can always discuss this sort of stuff in a different episode, but Because I think all three of us actually took different types of ancestry DNA tests. Um, I think Sam did as well. So I don't know. Maybe we could do an episode about that in a later date.
1: Yeah, that'd be interesting.
0: The whole point of that slight tangent was that it's just that, like, I thought it was fascinating how that came up in the Monstrum episode. Because not only did they want to acknowledge that, you know, the conflict that already existed between the two peoples was happening for, you know, resources and, you know, whatever. The whole thing about how, well, you know, you have different attitudes and different concepts of wolves and people and wolves. It's like now that's just adding to it. And of course, infamously enough, you have things like Twilight, which we will get to in the later part of the episode, but it's like that just brings up the issue of cultural appropriation
1: Mm -hmm.
0: of... Ideas, uh, particularly Native American concepts of wolves, traditions, folklore about wolves, and people turning into wolves or embodying the spirit of the wolf. Yeah, we are going to get into that. Yeah, but I figure I this would be a good point to mention that we will talk about that to a to a certain degree. I guess that's all we really need to say about the history cultural part of werewolves because again you know this could be an entire episode and right in the show notes for this episode when when we post this i will put a link to both the history article link that you're using right and i will also be posting links to the monstrum episodes in case any of you listeners are actually interested But of course, certainly you can totally Google search um, these things and you can also search on YouTube for the Monstrum. I mean, that is an excellent channel for all things mythological and folklore, not just for creatures, but also other types of literature. Totally recommend. I guess we'll switch over now to vampires, which interestingly enough, the stories about vampires are just as varied as the werewolf, because the concept of creatures of some sort drinking your blood or some type of essence, um, whether to kill you, just straight out kill you, or because you happen to be prey or a food source, is not just one culture. It's a pretty universal concept. I happen to mention in the zombie episode again that in my own culture, Chinese, um, there is a creature where it sometimes gets translated conceptually as being a type of zombie, although I personally feel like vampire may be a little more accurate because, you know, it it is a corpse, a dead person, Mm -hmm. which a zombie is as well in, in many interpretations. But in this case, this creature, the Zhang Shi, is a creature who doesn't drink blood, really, but it absorbs qi from a person, which is, again, the whole concept of the life essence. So, that's why, like, I kind of, like, I did mention in the zombie episode, because, it again, it could be interpreted as a zombie, mm-hmm. but I personally agree with a lot of people you know, who know a bit more about this bit of folklore is that it does fit a little better the definition of of a vampire. But for this episode we're going to talk about the more commonly known blood drinking type. Yes. I guess it's it, it's just kind of strange to me because when you do your research on like, you know, the historical cultural origins of vampires, you're like, how the heck did you get that and you turn into freaking Edward Cullen?
1: We'll go into that cuz yeah.
0: No. yeah right but but my point though is like how do you go from like blood sucking life sucking you know creature that will kill you of the night right
1: that doesn't freaking sparkle
0: yeah into this sexy creature i mean like i don't get that
1: (laughs) yeah i'm like i don't either i guess they just couldn't make count Dracula sexy enough.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, there's an argument, um, especially at the time when Dracula, the novel, first got released, that there were aspects of it that was a little too romantic, which I thought was kind of interesting. That criticism.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting what they thought was too romantic back when that book was published.
0: Yeah. But of course, that's also related to how the concept of romantic and romanticism from a literary perspective and a
1: yeah.
0: historical context back then is very different from how we would interpret it now in modern times so but again we could we could do another episode down the road about that as well. Let us know if you're interested listeners um, <laughs> yeah i mean it it's almost impossible to know exactly which. How exactly I tackle this particular subject in terms of the, you know, the cultural historical part, because it's like, there's just so many different legends. I mean, obviously, again, related to Bram Stoker's interpretation with his novel, it's like, you know, you have, well, just the, just the name Dracula alone, it's, it, it, there was an actual person named Dracula or... Dracul. Right, Dracul. Or... Rather, his real name is Vlad Tepish, which I'm sure some of you listeners are perfectly aware of at this point. And that, I mean, listen, the guy, I get, I get why he had a real serious beef with people. I mean, he went kind of far. He went, he did go a bit far to deal with that. But I get it, I get his beef. But I'm not quite sure it's a good thing that now you're. Not just known as like a kind of a sadistic killer of your enemies, but now you're related to vampires.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, that's just really weird. It's really difficult to talk about vampires because obviously you're talking about them. You have to talk about the most famous one, which is Count Dracula. I'm sorry, Edward Cullen, go sit in the back. Go sit down and sit in the back. You are not the most famous vampire out there. Right. Just, just, just my opinion. Yeah. I mean, Count Dracula, I mean, you say, I'm sorry, when you say vampire, that's who pops in my head first. Dracula.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which is why in the vampire segment of this episode, he is the one who will be dominating the conversation. Yes. Right. I mean, I guess, like, what we could talk about is like i mentioned before there's just so many different cultures that have this concept of a creature that drinks your blood or steals your life essence and of course aside from dracula you also have things in like greek mythology for example um the lamia Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which is usually interpreted as a female monster interestingly enough who Attacks particularly children. And drinks their blood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And also. Some people interpret. Lilith. The supposed first wife. Of Adam as being. A type of vampire. Or maybe she was a succubus. But you know. Some kind of demonic creature. Plaguing humanity. Again. Women. Seriously.
1: (laughs) You have to remember when all these legends first came out. And they all came out in a extremely male-dominated world. Men ruled. Men dominated. They ruled. Women were not considered human. They were property. So any woman that tried to stand up for herself was labeled a witch. Yeah. A vampire. You know something. They were demonized because they were trying to stand up for themselves because obviously there were feminist women back in the day and women that didn't think that it was right to be uh, held down under men's thumbs constantly. Yep. And that's as political as I get on the subject.
0: Yeah. I mean, we don't normally get into politics or anything, but, you know, every once in a while we do have to acknowledge it because there is a context reason to bring it up. And you know, along with again, you know, the many cultural interpretations throughout the world, actually. I did mention the Jiangxi earlier, but there's also other parts of Asia will have similar type of creatures. I mean, you have the Aswang. You will have I believe the Yuki ona in Japan could be interpreted as a creature kind of like a vampire. But the Yuki Ona, um, the Ona part means woman. So it is a specifically female creature. And Yuki means snow. So it's like this snow creature who wants to drink blood because it keeps her warm in the cold. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, in Africa.
1: Oh, well, there's the, the Strigoi.
0: Oh, yes. Yes. The Strigoi.
1: The
0: the street boy. Hmm.
1: Yep. Sorry. There's there's my Witcher reference.
0: Hee <laughs> hee. I've seen here Africa. There are there's a creature in West Africa called the Asanbosam. Hmm. There's the Atsi, which I think the name Atsi is also used. As, I think, part of a scientific name, I think, of a type of fly or something, which happens to be, or a mosquito or something like that, which kind of fits. Many species of mosquitoes have the same idea as vampires. Yeah. They are my number one enemy in the summer, I can tell you that much.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: And to millions of other people, too. Let's see. And... Oh, and also in the Caribbean and in the Americas, there are also different types of vampire-type creatures as well. Let's see, there is the lugaru. There is the so so cuyon, um, and the hmm. I'm not sure if it's pio Chen or yeah, I think it's Chen, because like that's one of the spellings. Um, yeah, so there's a, there there really is a wide variety of different creatures that fit the definition of a vampire all around the world. What's not scarier than a mysterious creature that's out to get you and trying to steal your life force, whether it's just energy as, like I said earlier about chi, or literally your blood, which is a very important uh, life essence. can't think of anything else to add for this portion of the episode uh you got anything else mary
1: there was one it's quite interesting it was called the last american vampire Hmm. and it's about the brown family that lived in um where was it they in exeter uh rhode island if i remember correctly Mm -hmm. yes exeter rhode island there was a young man his name was edwin brown and he had tuberculosis otherwise back then it was known as consumption this took in 1892 so it was considered as consumption back then and he was the son of George Brown who had already watched as tuberculosis killed his wife Mary his daughter Mary Olive and then his other daughter Mercy Lena Brown and when after mercy had died the townsfolk had said that she was a vampire because they didn't really understand what it was. They didn't really know what consumption or tuberculosis or any of that was, but people were dying right, left and center of the disease. And so they thought it was a vampire and they said it was mercy was the vampire. And what they did was they exhumed her after she died and She didn't display any type of severe decaying, although this was not very surprising because she was in an above-ground vault during a New England winter, so obviously there's not going to be that much decay on a body. The townsfolk accused her of being a vampire and making her entire family sick, and so what they did was they cut out her heart, burned it, and then they fed the ashes of her heart to her brother. Unfortunately, he passed away, but it was very, very strange. Yeah that they considered her to be the one
0: right I guess it this does make a pretty good segue again back to Dracula because I think mm-hmm. that particular incident well not specifically that incident but you know stories like that one are again one of the many sources that Bram Stoker used for his novel the whole concept of like you know oh, this is what vampires look like. This is what they do to, you know, people and blah, 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 blah. And those are the signs to look for. And that comes up in the novel. It does. Yeah.
1: So I think at this point, we're going to kind of switch over to, I found the 20 best vampire and werewolf movies of all time. Oh, joy. Yes. So now... Here we go. We're going to start from number twenty and work our way to number one, and then we get to talk about other movies that may not be on this list. Sure. All right. Number twenty. Subspecies. This movie was released in nineteen ninety one. Hmm. Yes. This movie drew inspiration from the vampire in the nineteen twenty two movie Nosferatu.
0: Ah. Okay. Yeah. The infamous Nosferatu.
1: Yes. And this one is a must-see for being filmed on location in Romania.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: They use stop-motion animation for the movie. It's obviously a low-budget film. Uh Uh-huh. And then we have Fright Night from 1985.
0: Ah, yeah. Fright Night. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. Number 18. Underworld from 2003. Yeah, Underworld. I actually enjoyed Underworld. It is very entertaining. I enjoyed Underworld. The last Underworld I watched, I was not exactly... I was like, okay, you've gone a little too far now.
0: I haven't watched all of them, but I've I've watched a couple of the movies in the series.
1: Yeah, but I do agree. The first Underworld was good. Then we have Horror of Dracula, 1958. And this one is good because it was Christopher Lee's first outing as Dracula. And the first time the novel was ever adapted into color on screen. Okay. And we also have not only did Christopher Lee play Dracula, but Peter Cushing, who's also well known in the vampire, werewolf, horror movies, he played Dr. Van Helsing.
0: Huh. Okay.
1: So, yeah. And then we have the absolute classic movie. Dracula from 1931 and as we know this and it's true this is the most iconic portrayal of Count Dracula and it was Bella Lugosi's version yeah yes so I mean and this is one of the movies that if you've never seen this movie watch it I personally think it should be higher on the list
0: yeah it's kind of funny it's not higher up but
1: I mean really because I mean this one to me is Chef's Kiss when it comes to vampire and the best version of the book into movie. But then again, I mean Bella Lugosi, I mean you have to love Bella Lugosi. You can't think of these movies without thinking of him personally.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: And then we have our first werewolf on it, it's called The Company of Wolves from nineteen eighty four. Okay. Yeah. So it's an adaptation of Red Riding Hood.
0: Huh. Huh. Okay.
1: Which, I mean, if you think about it, it makes sense. Yeah. So then we have Black Sabbath from 1964. And then we have the other pretty well-known, um, Boris Karloff, as a, um, who plays a vampire. Ah, I'd wonder when this one was coming up. Number 13, Salem's Lot, 1979.
0: And- ah, yes, yes, yes.
1: Yes, I was wondering when this was coming up, honestly. I mean, you it, it's like one of the classics, Stephen King. All right, The Lost Boys <laughs> from, 19, <Yeah>. from 1987. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Hollywood, please stop remaking things.
1: Yes, please, 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 we're begging you. And this was Corey Haim's first film on the list. And it was his first teaming with the actor he would later become inseparable from in his acting career, which is Corey Feldman.
0: Two Coreys.
1: Yes. All right. <laughs> and we have the next one is Curse of the Werewolf from 1961. Mm. I have, it is a, uh, it's loosely based on Guy Endore's 1933 novel, The Werewolf of Paris. Okay. Yeah. I've never seen it. It, it may be one I have to try to see if I can find. I don't know. Uh, Silver Bullet from 1985. Hmm. Corey Haim is once again in this movie.
0: I don't think I've ever heard of this one.
1: I've never heard of this one. No. So I have no idea. Hmm. Let the Right One In from 2008. And this is a Swedish film.
0: Huh. Okay.
1: And because it's um, the, just it's very interesting. It's called um, th- it says the Swedish film is about a vampire who is stuck as a little girl and requires someone to kill for her and to take care of things she cannot in the body of a child, such as pay bills and rent an apartment. The title is a reference to the natural law that prevents a vampire from entering a dwelling without permission. It says when the vampire's companion is caught, she visits him in the hospital and kills him. The boy next door takes over as her familiar, protecting her in the day, and they run away together. There is an American remake titled Let Me In. Don't bother with it. Look up the Swedish original. Mm. So,
0: Reminds me of um, Claudia from Interview with a Vampire.
1: Mm -hmm. That's just what I was thinking, too. And I'm surprised this one isn't higher up on the list, honestly. Uh, Nosferatu, 1922 the earliest adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula.
0: Yeah, actually, you know, funny that you mention it. Again, in the Monstrum episode, they mentioned that actually that original Nosferatu was actually done without the permission of his estate at the time. So there was act.
1: Yep, it, it does say this too.
0: Yeah, so there was actually a lawsuit, I believe, to prevent its distribution or basically to tell them to... Stop distributing it because you didn't get our permission and you didn't pay us money for it. So to be fair, as you know, we've done some fanfic writing and obviously you can't make money off a fanfic writing. But there is an unspoken rule that fanfic or not fanfic, you do not copy or repost or whatever somebody's work without permission. Exactly. So, you know, I get that. Yeah. You shouldn't do stuff without permission from their state.
1: But what happened was there was a court challenge and it was declared that all copies of the film were ordered to be destroyed. However, one copy survived and was smuggled from Europe to the United States, where it is free and safe from the European copyright laws, which is why it's still able to be shown in the States, at least. Interesting. Yes. Okay, i um, this one I'm a little bit eh about. It was a good movie, but I don't necessarily know that it needed to be on this list. And that's Blade from 1998.
0: I mean, you know, technically it is a vampire movie, but at the same time like I don't know I I just don't know if it should be that high up there.
1: Right. I would have figured it should have been down around um god damn it, I just lost the name of the the movie. Underworld. Okay. Down towards the bottom. I think it should have been down here, like towards the bottom of the list. I'm not saying it wasn't a decent movie. It was an okay movie. I enjoyed it, but I don't necessarily know that it needed to be this high up on the list.
0: Yeah. I mean, I thought it was a very entertaining movie as well. Like it, it made me interested in watching the sequel, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I'm not, I'm just not sure if it's really that great of a vampire movie. Right. So. I mean, it's a. I mean, it is like a superhero slash vampire movie, but it's not like primarily a v- vampire movie.
1: And I mean, I I love Wesley Snipes in this movie. Uh, he was absolutely the right pick for the role. He truly was, you know. And I don't say that often about actors being made for roles. I I do truly believe he was made for that role. Yeah. So, then we have. Night of the Werewolf, 1981. And it's, the and this is, there, it says there are 12 Paul Nashay, I'm pronouncing this wrong, Nashay werewolf movies, but there can only be one on the list. The honor goes to the remake of Nashay's most famous Wolfman movie and one of the best of the best bad movies ever, 1971's The Werewolf versus the Vampire Woman. What? Yeah.
0: i'm like i'm just straight up confused
1: yeah well that's what they're saying that's why this one's on the list because it's a remake of one of his worst movies ever the werewolf versus a vampire woman and the plot is basically three friends go on vacation to romania to explore a castle crypt but one of the girls plans to bring elizabeth bathory back from the dead Exploited exploitative filled with gratuitous nudity and a literal shower of blood night of the werewolves is a lost gem of 80s horror weird the vampires are not the only ones returned from the grave the werewolf waldemar Deniski has also been resurrected when the silver cross was pulled from his heart as the original in your face title of the 1971 one film tells you you're in for a vampire on werewolf brawl at the end
0: i'm just like okay then
1: (gasps) okay okay number five let's scare jessica to death
0: 1971
1: Uh Mm uh-huh i have no idea i have never heard of this movie the howling also 1981
0: yeah this one i've actually heard of
1: I have heard of this one, too, and I've actually seen this one it's been a long time, but i've I've watched this one at least once okay this one i I do agree with number three interview with the vampire nineteen ninety four
0: yeah, that was a very good one i mean
1: that, yes
0: you no know, i I thought it was like kind of funny that, um I remember reading how Anne Rice was like she heard that Tom Cruise was gonna be, and she was like she was basically, like, What the f <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily think Tom Cruise was the right person to play Lestat. And I'll I'll tell you, I watched another one, um, and I can't tell you the name of it at the moment.
0: Queen of the Damned?
1: Yes, the Queen of the Damned. That's it. I could not think of it. I was going to say Stuart Townsend was cast to play as Lestat. And I think he did a much, he was much more believable as Lestat than, Tom Cruise. Right. Just from reading the books.
0: But um I just thought it was like kind of interesting how like at first she was like like what I said before, she was kind of like what the what the f, you know, are you doing? But then she she ended up liking it. And and I I mean overall I thought that movie was very good. Um but you know, I'm not going to like argue that you know, a different actor than Tom Cruise is better. Cuz like, I I I didn't watch the entire Queen of the Damned. I only caught part of it. I, I I should watch it though, the whole thing.
1: Yeah, I've 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 watched it multiple times. I actually used to have it on DVD. I may still have it somewhere.
0: Right, but you know, yeah, but but yeah, overall was a very good movie. I liked it. I mean, I'm not really big on just in general. I'm not really big on like monster horror movies, but you know that one, I did enjoy overall. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm not saying Tom Cruise didn't do a good job as Lestat. He did. It's just personally, I think Stuart Townsend embodied the soul of the character more so than Tom Cruise. But it's also many, many years apart between the two makings of the film. So, you know, but that's just my opinion on it. Ah, number two, Bram Stoker's Dracula, also from
0: 1994. That one I thought was a very good movie. Yes. It did make Dracula a little little too sexy, though, to me.
1: Yeah, it did. I mean, but it was a very good movie. Oh, yeah, it definitely was. And number one, An American Werewolf in London from 1981. Right. And I've seen this movie, and I, I think I agree with it being one of the one of the top, although I may have switched Bram Stoker's Dracula in this one, to be perfectly honest. Hmm. I've always liked uh vampires a little bit more than werewolves.
0: Right. And you know it's Gary Oldman.
1: That too. That too. I mean, you just Yeah. Can't you can't. No? Yeah.
0: I mean, overall the cast in that in Bram Stoker's Dracula was very good. Like it was very well cast. I mean,
1: You had Gary Oldman, you had uh, Keanu Reeves, you have Anthony Hopkins.
0: Winona Ryder.
1: Winona Ryder. I mean, you've got so many of these Hollywood icons now that were in the... Sir Anthony Hopkins was already an icon in his own right, even before he did the movie. Right. Winona Ryder was well known. What, late 80s? Yeah. And, I mean, Keanu Reeves was doing pretty well for himself at that point i don't think that was his first movie but it was one of his first ones no
0: i think he did didn't he do like bill and ted
1: i, I was like i think he did like bill and ted's excellent adventure
0: yeah i think that was before though
1: he did a few first right but he became a big star right after this movie if i remember correctly
0: right because of speed exactly yeah
1: oh i don't know if you can tell but i love keanu reeves and i From everything I've read about the man, he seems like the absolute sweetest, most down-to-earth guy ever. And I wish that man nothing but the best.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Yes. So that was the top 20 best vampire and werewolf movies.
0: I just thought it was really interesting how most of the movies on the list are vampires. Not that many are werewolves.
1: Very true. Very, very true.
0: Um, I guess like before we start closing out, I do want to mention actually recently I, I had to like dig through my um, emails a little bit, but recently they announced that there is actually going to be a remake of Nosferatu with, hold on, with Robert Eggers as the director um, for those who may not know the name or may sort of recognize it, but can't quite put their finger on where that name came from. He's the director of the Northmen with uh, a certain Mr. Alexander Skarsgård.
1: Uh, Okay.
0: Yes, and interestingly enough, the casting announcement so far is Bill Skarsgård and Lily-Rose Depp, and then just the other day, they mentioned Nicholas Holt is being considered for a role as well in the movie, so there you go.
1: That's interesting.
0: Yeah. I still haven't seen The Northmen. I mean, I've seen clips of it, but...
1: Yeah, I haven't seen it either, but...
0: It's supposed to be very good. Um, And Bill is, of course, also. Oh, no, actually, I can't remember if Bill's actually in it. Um, I know he was supposed to be in it or maybe maybe he was supposed to be in it. But then there was a schedule conflict and then a different actor took over that role. But I don't know. That would have been interesting if seeing a movie with Bill and Alex acting against each other.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that would have been quite interesting.
0: Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Catch us next time. And see what we're going to talk about.
1: Because the three fates decide.